seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 109 of Color Magic, your magic and gaming podcast, where we talk about all types of things that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. I am your host, Daquan Watson, and for 109 episodes, I still got the same dude riding shotgun. How's it going, man? Pretty good. Uh, No major complaints. We... we no winter as of yet. We had, I think, one or two cold days, and now we're back to normal. We're past yeah. the normal in Texas in terms of winter. We haven't really got cold here yet. We, uh, we're, we, it's gotten colder. You know, we're hitting like the the forties ish, but like that's at uh, night. Yeah, that's at uh, night. During the day, it's actually comfortable. Yeah. I, I can get by with just like a, a hoodie, you know, or windbreakers. That's not so bad. But man, we're getting the the early nights and the rain now. That sucks almost as bad. I'm about yeah. actually, I'm actually about to get one of those uh, key lights. I'm gonna try to get one that does the light therapy thing, <laughs> just so I can have a, you know, see if how the daylight affects me a little more, the artificial daylight, because I'm told it does a lot for you mentally. But I gotta check that out because I've never done that before. And we get some long dark winters up here, so. But I gotta tell you, to make that long dark winter not so long, I tried a Tim Tam Slam the other day. Is that a, a a trademark finisher? I have no idea what that is. It sounds, sounds like it should be like, dude, that is brilliant. If there's an Australian wrestler and he had a finisher and just called it the Tim Tam Slam, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. No, but really, Tim Tams are these cookies that you. It's a rectangular cookie, so you have to bite off opposite ends, opposite corners, and then you use it as a straw to suck up warm liquid. And then you just shove the cookie, the the soggy cookie, into your face. It's kind of awesome, actually. It sounds ridiculous. Yeah, it sounds like way more work than I want to do to enjoy a cookie. Oh, you can eat them plain, and they're just fine. Like this, yeah. this this other thing is definitely extra. It's it's totally extra. But I could tell it's something a kid probably came up once once upon oh, a yeah. time, and just became tradition. But yeah, Tim Tam Slam. I have it actually. I did a video with it on my uh, review channel, so anybody wants to check that out. But. Super fun stuff. I've uh, been eating lots of crazy snacks from around the world. Like, it's been kind of interesting. But before we get into things, we got to pay some bills. And to do that, we got to give some love to our sponsors. Over at Cardsphere.com, a great place to buy, sell your magic cards at the price you want. And actually, that's kind of the important piece I think people don't understand. You go to their website, you can put in like, hey, I want these cards for 70% of their going rate. I don't think the card's that good, but I don't want to pay top dollar. Then if somebody's willing to sell it for that, they hook it up and they just mail you a card. It's really simple. Matter of fact, I have a stack of stuff sitting over here, a literal stack. Like these, I'm mailing out all, well, y'all can't see it if you're listening, but those of you watching, I'm sending out all these in the mail tomorrow. So yeah, people do a lot of stuff through there. A little bit of an unknown site, but they do a lot to support different content creators in the magic space for sure so show them some love because they show a lot of us some love it's very very important and we have some shout outs to do over at patreon so first off if you want to support the show you can go to patreon.com slash color magic but we do have a new patron from a daniel goldberg so thank you for coming on board daniel we super appreciate it we have a new 
Pip. <laughs> okay. I don't know why I'm so amused with it. Somebody, listeners, y'all gotta give me something better. Like we need, like we kind of got stuck on Pips because it's amusing. But by, like, by, by, by we, we mean you. Yeah, but we, <laughs> you but really we, are enjoying it. We really need something else. Like Pip doesn't quite get us there. Like we need a name for our, our followers and supporters. Uh, also, we have giveaways we gave away for the first time this month. So Hunter B and James D, you should be getting something in the mail any day now, actually, because I mailed them out late last week. So hopefully they're already in your hands. If not, you should be seeing them shortly. But we do send out things to randomly to people that support us over on Patreon now. And if you're at our highest level, uh, you just have stuff coming in the mail. So those of you that are at our highest level, you know who you are. You do have some gifts coming your way if you haven't received them yet. Oh, man, that's a lot of stuff. And then. Finally, and there's, more. Wait, there's more. <laughs> there is more. If you want to get some stuff just to su- support us, but get something for yourself physically, you can go to m- colorofmtg.com slash shop and get some different stuff. We have some tokens and some play mats up. Go check those out. You really help us out and you have something to show off and kind of support us when you're at your game tables as we get back to gaming. And then we have our newest sponsor to the show, manscaped.com. Manscaped, as you say, they're they're basically the masters of taking care of your business. They are they are the manly shaving champions of the world, if you will. <laughs> and let's be honest, man. I I really I've been using their stuff now. You know, they sent us the kits. We tried it out. Like their stuff's actually good. I mean, it's one of those things where like, yeah, you know, you're just shilling for the company. Right? Like, no, their stuff's actually really genuinely good. Yeah, we're not going to steal you in the wrong direction, especially when you're where your boys are involved. <laughs> you know? Dude, I can tell a little TMI, but I mean, I've used some regular razors down there before trimming up some things or whatever. And I'm not going to lie. It's a little bit scary. Like, it's a little, you know, it's mental man thing. But like, yeah. it, you know, you're a little worried. Oh, absolutely I, I think uh, i think most guys are going to be in agreement on that you know you don't want to you don't want to mess around below the ways truth and truth be told using their razor was actually kind of nice their their shaver was smooth it didn't really have any problems like it didn't get caught up in a lot of places or anything like it was it was weirdly easy to use and left me kind of confident I'm not going to lie, to be able to like just maneuver without any problems. So passing that on. And like I said before, I still think the best thing they make is that weed whacker. That nose hair, ear hair trimmer, like for dudes, like don't get me wrong. Like there's some dudes, I, you're too proud. You don't want to shave your stuff downstairs. I get all that. But at the very least, we all know you get them them nose hairs <laughs> and them ear hairs. Like, hey, I mean, I'm just saying, yeah. we, just being real. We keep it real around here. Like the weed whacker works, man. I don't, I didn't think it, I wasn't sure. I'm not going to lie, but I used it and it actually worked. And the hairs even took a while to grow back. I don't, obviously it's going to be different for each person based on your hair growth, but like, it wasn't like I had to get up in there every day or whatever. Like, you know, I just kind of get up in there like once a week and it's been fine. Like easy to clean. You just pop the head off, rinse it off, put it back on. Like, and they're they're 4.0 it's water resistant so you can take it in the shower it has a wireless charger which is awesome like i have i have no complaints it's really good stuff and if y'all support them they will continue to support us so go buy something go find something you like in their whole slate because they've got 
deodorant. A lot of stuff. Yeah, they they've got lotions. They got all kinds of stuff over there. So go go check them out. Get something for yourself or for the holiday season because that's coming up, and you're better buying gifts now than later because we all know there's going to be shipping issues and everything else. Right. So go check them out. Go show them some love over at manscaped.com. Use promo code color. You will get 20% off your price, your whole order, and you'll get free shipping wherever you are in the world. So manscaped.com, promo code color. You get 20% off your order, and you get free shipping worldwide. Like, that's a that's a good deal. That's that's They're just going to eat the shipping. <laughs> I mean, like, so it doesn't matter where you're from. Like, you got to love it. Got to love it. But now, time to get down and dirty. We have some things. And, uh, you know, over the last week or so, because I've started working with the new content group, Degenerate Gaming, I've been watching some other people's content a little bit more, trying to get familiar with who's in the group, been following some different people on Twitter. And there seems to be a thing that comes up. That there's a fair amount of folks who feel the need to put their two cents in, to insult the creator, to bitch about their content or whatever. And they literally do nothing to support these creators. Like they're they're not they're not a a, a supporter or whatever over on Twitch because you can see that they don't have the badge. Right. They've said outright in some cases that they don't subscribe to their content on platforms. Some of them are complaints, bitching, whatever on their stuff regularly, because I guess it pops up from friend of a friend situation. But they don't follow them on Twitter because I know because they only followed 50 people and I can scroll <laughs> down and see all 50 people. So if you're in no way. And I'm not even saying financially. Like, I get it. If you ain't got the pocket money to support somebody, cool. I've been there. But if you are doing nothing to support these creators, you're not following them, you're not sharing their content, you're not watching them on YouTube, you're not doing anything, your opinion's worth about as much as the dog crap I might step in at the park. Right? I mean, it just means... Now, don't get me wrong. You might be saying, hey, if you did this instead of this, I might be willing to follow your stuff or whatever. Okay, cool. That's something at least worth listening to. Like, hey, the reason I don't follow you is because you're a little too edgy and I don't appreciate that. Okay, cool. You can have that civil conversation, right? But when you're just, well, you're the worst player in the world or you should be doing, or maybe you should spend more time trying to rank instead of doing this thing and blah, blah. Like, if you're going to be a director, then go make your own damn content. Right? Like, this person is literally putting themselves in front of a camera or a microphone or whatever, taking time out of their week, putting together show schedules, plans, putting off personal things in a lot of cases to make the attempt to entertain you. And if all your goal is, is to show up the one time you've seen them and just be an ass, nobody gives a damn about you and your opinion. Like, let's just be real. Like, these people are trying hard. And some people, yes, some of them are not good at it. Some of them are learning on the job, right? I get it. And you can be professional. You can be friendly. You can be respectful in your critiques. You don't have to just come out and be a jerk or try to get them to steer their content in a whole different-ass direction than what they're doing. That doesn't even make sense to me. <laughs> like, 
they're over here doing Vorto stuff, telling stories and whatever. And you're like, you know what? You should be talking about what the number one deck is in the metagame. Like, that's not even the same thing. Right? You know, like, what the hell are you doing? Like, that's not their content. Like, come on, people, get with it. Like, and and I know we bring it up on here from time to time about different aspects creators deal with and, you know, just creatives as a whole deal with. But this is one of those things that like, man, like another thing, just stand up for the people you support. That's another way you can support your favorite creators. When you see these knuckleheads in their comments, in their chats and whatever, right? Following them on, on Twitter, say something to them, call them out for their stupidity. And let's get them to knock this crap off because it's not helping anybody. It's not helping the creator because they're going to halfway ignore that anyway. And they don't really need that extra pressure. And me, as a supporter, viewer, user, I don't even want to see those stupid comments. Because it's a waste of everybody's time. All right. If I had a tie, I'd, I'd readjust my tie and everything now. <laughs> you know what really grinds my gears? Yeah. Exactly. You know what really grinds my gears? That's what it felt like, man. I just had one of those moments today. But you know what? We're always trying to learn things and get better, get smarter. And we like to share that information. So, Brian... Watch everybody what you learned this week. All right. Uh, Valve Steam Deck uh, peripheral apparently is going to be delayed till February at the earliest. And, I mean, I think we're going to get a couple of these announcements every week. Something that you thought was coming out next month is coming out next year, maybe, as, as we run. And one of the reasons this is, you know, it's just hard to get the materials to put the peripherals together right now. So we're going we're gonna to keep hearing about it. You're going to keep seeing more of it as we get close to the release of some of these devices and games and things. Yeah, that's tough, man, because I feel like a lot of things we're going to be running into that as and it's, you know, just like we're saying in the opener, right? Being serious. If you want to buy some manscape stuff, go do it now. Get yeah. your gifts for your dude, your, your husband, your, your significant other. Hell, honestly, real talk. The manscape stuff works for chicks too. Cause the wifey used it. So just saying, but if you, you want to get a gift, get it now. And and really, because I'm even looking at a laptop. It applies right to now. pretty much anything you think you're yeah. going to have to get shipped. <laughs> I, I've been looking at laptops because as we get back to going to events and stuff, like I'm going to be needing to do stuff from hotels. And my other one's like 10 years old and it's just hitting its end of life and all that. And it's like, man, if I wait more than two more weeks before I order, I may not get it before Christmas. <laughs> like it just that's just a thing right now. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that the stream deck's delayed. Uh, the question I would have, did they say that they're going to change any of the specs since their original announcement? Or is everything just staying uh, the same? I have not heard anything like that. Okay. So, so it's, it's literally same, just parts delayed. So the same power level, hopefully, whenever you get it. It's just going to be yeah, a little still, longer before you get it. It's a, it's a cool product, man. The idea that you could basically have something like the your Switch equivalent for your Steam games. It's just a neat idea. You know, you could have portable Steam games. Yeah, a lot of people who probably have never considered a portable console, if you tell them, oh, wait, I could have all my Steam games? Oh, yeah. All a portable <laughs> thing? Okay. Now you got my attention, as the meme goes. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe. We'll we'll see, man. I But that's definitely a story worth following, because I'm with you. I would not be surprised if they pushed it back again. Uh, or even news. if they're able to, once, once they find out they're able to make enough of them, it may still get delayed in a port yeah. somewhere. That's true, too. 
We're seeing a lot of that right now. I have some crazy stories about that we can probably share up next week. Now, I learned, and this is something I learned earlier today. Actually, I had to switch our show notes uh, before we went live. And I bring this up because we haven't really talked a lot about uh, global warming or any of that stuff, right? Climate change, I should say, to use the proper term. But I was reading a story about an actual island that's effectively sinking. You know, because we talk a lot about, you know, as the polar caps melt, you know, the shorelines get small, get higher and everything else. And But this is an actual island. It's an island of Tuvalu in the South Pacific. Only a population of about 11,000. So it's a fairly small island. But they only originally set 15 feet above sea level. And it's been rising every year, the water. So now they're hitting points where anytime there's storms, Houses that aren't on stilts are just becoming flooded, you know, when their their crops are being damaged regularly. You know, they're having all these problems and they're literally saying, like, look, if things don't drastically change, probably in who knows the next 20 to 30 years. I mean, you're talking about another couple inches of sea level coming up, you know, even even if it's think about it, even if it's just one inch a year. In 30 years, that's 30 inches, that's two and a half feet. Or whatever, right? They're only started out at 15 feet above sea level, yeah. not counting recent rises, right? So they could be what's that 20% reduced shoreline possibly by then? Like, isn't that crazy to think about? Like, a, you, you could literally have an island that's going to sink. As somebody from Louisiana doesn't sound crazy at all because New Orleans is yeah. going through similar problems. Much of much of you know South Louisiana is having to think about things like that. Yeah, it's crazy because like, we talk a lot about oh this could happen or this is what the future might look like or whatever. But yeah, that's a place where you know these are places where it's happening. Yeah, I mean that's a real time like you know if you need a case study, this is it. And these people and their families, you know their history might end up gone, you know, within, you know, it may take a full 50 years to 100 years or whatever, you know, it'll take a while, but that island's effectively going to be gone if we make no changes. Those people realistically may even at some point have to just leave the island because it won't be really truly habitable for much with all yeah. the seawater coming on because you won't be able to grow much. So and I think one of their big... Uh, export crops if you want to call it big but the biggest one for the island is like some type of taro root so they've been reduced crops again because of like the seawater damage and everything else so it's kind of crazy crazy story but it was interesting to read just and i think if you just do a google search you know it's something they're talking about right now because there's a big uh, international summit going on for climate change and that was one of the reasons uh, it even came to the forefront because it's one of the places they're talking about having immediate problems but yeah, let's get into some regular gaming news because, man, we have quite a few things to touch on today. And the first is not a good story. Uh, there is a streamer that goes by the name of Maya. She went and attended the Twitch Rivals event. Uh, I believe it was the last week or the week before, but a recent one. And this isn't. By the way, this story particularly isn't to have a knock on Twitch. This is just she happened to be at a Twitch Rivals event. But at this event, she believes she was roofied. 
And for those who don't understand the terminology, it's basically putting a drug in somebody's drink to, in some way, incapacitate them to, unfortunately, attempt to have your way with them. Now, lucky for her, she did have two other creators that were hanging out with her, one male, one female, from the stories that I read. But the saddest thing to me in this story was that she only knew the signs because when she was younger, she had been roofied before. That's just, the, yeah, that, that is just the, the saddest, most striking part of the entire frightening story. Yeah, that's the part that messed me up because I was like, ah, man, that sucks that that happened. And she was like, well, fortunately, you know, and this is the sad part. She said, fortunately, she knew the signs because it had happened to her before. And I was like... And it, and it is a good thing, you know, that she... Uh, obviously, it's not a good thing that it happened before, but it's a good thing that she was able to recognize the signs or God knows what else might have happened. Yeah, and they don't know who did it. There, there was a couple of dudes, but one in particular that I guess apparently had been creeping for the most part around the events. And they don't know if he's just a supporter or follower of some of the female creators or whatever, but apparently he had, according to the stories uh, and the reports, he had come back around while she was away, I guess, trying to recover or whatever, asking about her. So they don't know if he was possibly the one that did it or, you know, cause he could have been like, Oh man, Hey, maybe it's taken. It's, it's to hold now. I need to find her. You know, maybe it was that, or maybe it was just, or it could have he's just an been infatuated somebody. creeper and he was curious, yeah. right? They don't know. So they're still looking into a lot of things to my understanding. I have I didn't look at an update over the last uh, 24 hour, 48 hours. So I'll have to follow up, but this comes back to that whole thing where we say that like, you have to understand the world and what's going on and whatever. And dudes, you got to look out for the vulnerable around you. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, you, you would like to think there aren't bad actors and those types of spaces and everybody's there to have a good time and everybody's friendly and whatever, but they're there. I mean, there's, there's nothing you can say one way or the other. I mean, it, it's a thing. And we talk about marginalized groups, people trying to take advantage of women you know, things that trans people deal with or whatever. And it's just like, man, you got to watch out. You got to call these people out. You got to do your part. You know, if and that, you're... that's the thing that is just so hard to prove unless you catch somebody on camera doing something. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I constantly tell people, like, there are going to be different scenarios where you will be the majority group or the less threatened group, you know, almost in any setting, there will be some time. And like, at, when you're in that position, look out for those that aren't in that position. You know, so things like this don't happen. Or when they do happen, they at least have somebody they trust they can turn to. You know, that it's, it's a sad thing. It's a sad thing. It, it sucks that it, that it happened, honestly, because I hate the idea of knowing that stuff happens because as we're trying to grow our games, whatever game it happens to be, it sucks to know that there are people that now have to look at this and go like, uh, if I do make it, like, can I even go to these events? Do I feel yeah. safe at these events? Do I want to go to this? Is, yeah, is can it I... worth it for whatever whatever networking benefit I yeah. might get? That's exactly or it. Just you... to, or, or you know, just to go and have fun. Can you even maximize your earnings because you may or may not be able to take advantage of all the opportunities that are there? 
right? Like these are things people have to think about and worry about that if you're not in one of these groups or at risk groups, vulnerable groups, whatever you want to call them, like you don't think about it. You don't consider it because it's not a thing, but these are the types of decisions a lot of people have. And I'd rather see more people in a larger diversity of people from every aspect be involved in every game that I play, honestly. So yeah, sucks this happened. I hope they find the dude. I hope they find the person who did it, you know, but just something I figured was worth mentioning and bringing up just as a, like a reminder of like, Hey, we still got to watch out for each other out here. Like just, just cause we're, we'll say coming out of COVID, if you will, like to start attending events. It doesn't mean people magically all got nicer. Some of us did, but not all of us, right? They're, they're still out there. But we do have some things to say about Twitch. <laughs> we, we actually, to be fair, right? we, haven't, we haven't knocked on Twitch in a little bit. But yes. Twitch recently sent out a thing. Matter of fact, I think I still have the messages they sent via email. But they decided they wanted to start running more ads, which kind of makes sense because we all know people don't make a bunch of ads on Twitch right now because you just don't run a lot of them. And if you're not running and putting in front of people, you're not going to be able to make money on them. Matter of fact, little note, I have actually turned my, you, you, there's an ad you see on a lot of people's Twitch stream. When you go to it for the first time and the ad comes up, you can turn that intro ad off. And I recommend it for a lot of people that are still growing their channels because it creates a barrier between you and a new viewer. If they have to wait 15 seconds up to a minute and a half or whatever on these ads to even see what you're about. And you're not going to make that much money off of those ads anyway by the end of the month. I mean, you're going to maybe make a couple of dollars off those, literally a couple of dollars. You're probably better off trying to get that person to have that instant engagement, especially if they happen to see a clip and maybe they saw you playing a game they wanted to play or whatever. And then they come and it's like, oh, I have to sit through this like 45 seconds of this ad or whatever. It's like, uh, whatever. Right. So you can take that down. But anyway, what they decided to do for the months of November and December is if you run at least two minutes worth of ads per hour that you stream, and I believe the number was for at least 60% of your streams, I think is what I saw when they clarified somewhere. So it doesn't technically have to be every stream, but they also know a lot of people are going to just set it and forget it. But two minutes for every 60 minutes that you stream, they will double the ad revenue in the month of November and December. And obviously, the idea is to get people in the habit of, one, running ads, two, the viewers seeing the ads, and then three, you seeing the money you get from the ads, so you're encouraged to keep doing it after the month of December. Personally, I don't have a problem with this at its base. The problem that I have is I went and looked at my uh, settings, and it was set for three minutes of ads for every hour. It was two one and a half minute chunks instead of two one minute chunks to be the two minutes. So they asked for one thing and it was auto set for a different thing. Which which is still, I mean, way less than you get on, say, broadcast TV. Oh, sure. I just think it's just weird to do that. It just feels off, right? If you're going to tell me it's two minutes, just set it for two minutes. If I want it to be more or I want to put another ad break in, let me do that, right? The other is that this kind of comes back to a thing we all talk about with Twitch is that Twitch is good at generating revenue, right? They find way to, with bits, 
They have cross promotions to get you to order things. You know, you can obviously subscribe to your, your favorite streamers and, you know, there's tons and tons of things. You know, they have the hype train, you know, whatever. Yeah. But they still aren't solving the thing about discoverability and making use of all those VODs and clips and whatever that you're making. Right? Those are the things that people actually want. So this one I don't feel as bad about because it's at least a thing that, yes, it will greatly benefit Twitch and they're going to make way more money in the month of November and December because they can charge people more for commercials and ads because they're going to run a lot more of them. You're going to get way more exposure. You can charge for that. But it does also benefit the streamers and creators. So it's hard to be too upset about it, right? And they're giving a bigger chunk of the money away by doubling what you would normally get anyway. So it's like, eh, all right, can't be too mad about it. But at the end of the day, what are we still doing with all these VODs that are just sitting there after the streams and nobody ever sees them? What are you doing with all these clips that after about 24, 48 hours, nobody comes back and looks at those? There's so many cool things. Like, Twitch is literally, I'm assuming, paying for several servers worth of content that they could be utilizing to generate more views, get people to come and watch more streamers, which obviously generates more money. But they just sit there. So if you're not live, nobody ever sees you. But this is, what, the third thing in the last, what feels like, six months to just generate more money? Which is like, eh. And actually, the last thing, I don't even think directly generated money for the creators. It was just the thing that, like, you could spend your bits or something to promote your, or get your streamer promoted in their the recommendation or something. It was just like, okay, that helps Twitch, but I didn't do anything for the creator. Because, again, if you're smaller, you still weren't going to get the reach anyway. So, I don't know, man. How do you feel about all this? I mean, t- to me, I don't have a problem with it because, again, it's far less than any other form of entertainment you could watch. <laughs> Two minutes out of 60 minutes, I think, is not... To- Heck, go, you know, go use the bathroom. <laughs> go, go get up, walk around, increase your circulation. I don't feel like this is two minutes out of an hour is a big deal. Yeah, I'm with you. The only, the only thing issue I have is that I have already had situations where people have mentioned like, ah, I missed that last part of the conversation because an ad was running or whatever. You know, and it's just like, ah, yeah, that does kind of suck. Now, at one point they were talking about moving the ads to like the picture in picture thing. So it would come up like in the upper left corner and the stream would keep going. And I was like, yeah, okay. I would like to know who the ad is happening. Yeah, if we were doing that, that would be cool. But I think right now the ads aren't running at the consistent time for all the viewers at the same time or whatever. So I don't know when it's even happening. Yeah, that that is that is bizarre. Yeah. So like that part's been a little tough to decipher because I try to leave my stream running. So I can see the output as well as, you know, if something's changing or there's a problem with the connection, I can, you know, quietly fix it without having a bunch of complaints. But there was times people would say something about an ad and I don't, I'm not looking at an ad. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's tough. So I, I feel like that needs a little bit of work. But I'm with you, though, as far as it's still less than several other platforms. You know, I have to admit, like, one of the things I talked about doing this year, which I'm trying to reach out to YouTube for is seeing if I could just buy YouTube premium for people. Because I'm like, what's the thing I can do? I can literally buy people time. <laughs> right? 
Because you know those like, if you watch a 30-minute video on YouTube, sometimes you're going to get hit with like four or five video, uh, commercial breaks, right? So I'm like, hey, I can just give somebody two minutes back, like just straight mm-hmm. up, whatever. Or I guess in there, because you can cut them after like five or 10 seconds or whatever. So maybe it's like 20 seconds back or whatever. But it's something I could just do for people. So that's what I'm looking at doing for the holidays this year is buying that. So I don't hate the idea of, of two minutes for 60 minutes. I just think the implementations... It's like it was an idea that didn't get completely across the finish line. You know, I think we can clean it up a little bit. But something out there, don't hate your creators. It's a thing Twitch is pushing and doing. It is going to make them more money. (sighs) You know, it's one of those things. If you support the people you support, you want them to get paid. Just a small inconvenience you got to deal with. You know what happens next week, Brian? What's that? Magic the Gathering Vegas. Okay. I didn't. I almost forgot this was coming up because I had put it off. I was kind of debating getting tickets or not. Because mostly for me, it's more of a content thing to like be there and kind of be able to talk about it, boots on the ground of the first magic of real magic event we've had in a while, right? That's open to the public, you know. But yeah, it's coming up in a week, and I ended up not getting tickets. Not saying I still won't, because tickets are still very affordable, I guess, since I'm on the West Coast. But I don't know. How do you feel about? Because I'm sitting here right now, like I'm I'm looking at hell at least five movies that I've wanted to see that I haven't seen yet. You know, haven't been to the movie theater, and that goes all back to like the stupid movie, like Free Guy, all the way up to the recent stuff, like uh, the external or the Eternals, right? And we're kind of talking about, well, you know, if we go, what if we go like during a matinee on like a Tuesday afternoon or something, right? There'll be like five people in there, you know, probably won't be that bad. And I know it's it's probably nothing, you know, as especially in our area compared to a lot of other areas. But it's still going to be a large event, still going to be a lot of people. I mean, how do you feel like even for, say, an event was happening in your area? Like, how inclined are you to go and attend an event right now? I mean, at some point I'm going to. Like, it's probably going to depend on what it is, kind of what do what is the prize, what's the format? Because obviously if it's that standard, I'm not really going to be interested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, for me, it's tough. Because like I said, I think truthfully... I think in my head, I know it's not as big of an issue. If everybody's taking the precautions, right? You're, you're checking for vaccines and, you know, you've got all your stuff spaced out. You've got hand sanitizer, whatever. I know the risk is going to be low. So I don't think, I think it's more of an emotional thing, having not done it for a while, yeah. that is really where I'm sitting at with my, my discomfort. Because honestly, dude, with now, not talking about all the deaths and everything that happened, because that sucked. But looking at just the crowds from the like recent Travis Scott concert, right. Or the Lollapalooza or whatever that happened a couple months ago. Right. Just, I mean, you're seeing these pictures where you can't see where the pile of bodies stops. Yeah. I mean, it's just all the way to the end of the frame, just bodies. And I'm like, I know I'm not there yet. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know what the limit is, you know, but somewhere between, a 50 person event and whatever that was, you know, a hundred thousand person event. Like I'm not to the far end yet, but you know, maybe, maybe I'll still step out and do some bigger events at some point. If I'm perfectly honest, I probably wouldn't comfortable with a hundred thousand size crowd 
before COVID. That's a lot of people to be in the same place. That's true. I can't, like, I mean, I did stuff like Gen Con, which gets to the, like, 70,000 point. So, and I guess if you include all the workers and everything, that's probably in the ballpark of, like, 80-ish thousand. But I couldn't imagine, you know, like, I haven't even attempted something like Sturgis or whatever, right? Yeah. Where everybody just descends on a city for a full week or whatever, right? Like, I've still seen these pictures of people doing it during COVID. And I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely not there yet. Some of the, some and of even at Gen Con, if I go off and play, you know, some random, like, well, let's say I go find the people playing uh, the Xeno Warrior Apprentice card game. Okay, there's five of us that we're off in the corner somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So you can find much smaller groups to interact with. That's definitely true. And like I said, for me, it's it's a mix. And I know people talk about like, ah, I don't think this is good. I don't feel right about it. I think for it's a it's some mental and some emotional, truthfully. Because I feel like I've reached a point now, especially being vaccinated and everything else, that like I know my risks is very low, you know, if the precautions are being taken. So mentally, I think I've crossed that hurdle. Uh, that part doesn't bother me, but I do feel, like I said, emotionally, there's something there. And I don't even know if it's, and this is kind of one of the things that, you know, maybe the listeners and the viewers can, can process on their own. But when we're talking about these things, I wonder if sometimes people haven't sorted those difference of emotions out for themselves, bringing it to the discussion. Because like I said, I'm pretty sure if we go to the movie theater, tomorrow and go watch a movie it's probably going to be mostly fine right there probably won't even be more than 15 or 20 people in there probably won't have anybody sitting within two or three seats of us like it's probably going to be okay especially if it's not you know the block whatever blockbuster movie just came out exactly if you're you're going to see like some you know some uh well-reviewed indie flick there's that there's never more than five people in there (laughs) but like i said emotionally I think there's something about just having not done this in a while, you know, because people ask me all the time, how am I comfortable speaking in front of people? How am I comfortable doing this, doing that? And it's because like, I've always done it. Like there's never been a time where I did. Yeah. So I don't even process or think about it, but I'm, I get I'm it. the same way. I started in church there <laughs> you go. 40 years ago. And that's the thing, right? When you don't ever do it and then it becomes new again. Now it's kind of like, maybe that's what I'm processing. Right. There's just I just haven't been like the biggest crowd I've been around recently has been. I think 10 people (laughs) outside of like a grocery store situation where I can go run in, run out. You know what I mean? But like realistically, I think I've only hung out with like 10 and they were all vaccinated. You know, we did all that. But yeah, that's the biggest group I've seen in a while. And because even like I said, when I went to the Hunter Burton there was either like a small group of people playing. I'd get over and take a couple of pictures or I was mostly in the, the, the booth. Right. So I wasn't necessarily hanging out in crowds of a hundred people, 200 people. Right. So I think I'm a little bit physically out of practice with just processing that space and everything else, I think is what it is. I don't think it's even for me as much like it is obviously somewhat of a health concern, but again, within reason, like, I don't think it's the health aspect. I think it's just the physical being in that space that I haven't been in two years, really, at this point. And it just feels different. 
which is a weird thing to say and think about when I'm because, you know, I, I ran a store. I played in big tournaments all the time. You know, I've traveled. I've done those things. So crowds were just part of daily life. But after being in front of a camera and a microphone for every day for two years and not being in front of people, yeah. it's, a, it's a whole different thing. So, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I, I hope the event goes well. Uh, everybody seems excited about it. The people I've talked to that are going are taking all the proper precautions and doing everything they can, you know, but I get it. You know, as much as people say, ah, this event shouldn't be happening. We shouldn't do it. There is a point too where, you know, I get it where if you've been one of the people not seeing your friends, no, not even seeing family in some cases, you know, getting your shots, staying at home, not going to your favorite restaurants, you know, not doing all those things. Like literally, I have our favorite restaurant, and it's it's a, our favorite nice restaurant, is less than five minutes from our house right now since we moved, and we have been one time, and that was literally because we had like basically we did a combined double birthday anniversary dinner because we hadn't done anything and we were able to reserve a time, and you know we went through all these steps and we went. Like I get it. Like there's things you want to do that you haven't done in two years. Like, and it sucks when you've done everything right to try to do your part, to try to make people safe, to try to stay healthy. And you see all these other people not minding their P's and Q's. And it's like, at some point you're just like, man, I'm putting my life off. I'm not doing things. I'm continually getting punished because of all these idiots. And at some point I kind of feel, and I get it because I've had the thought of like, you know what? I should just do my thing and let these other people just die. Like, and that's an awful, awful thought to have. Yeah. It's an awful, awful thought to have. But it's just like, well, what do you do? You know? We, we also got to mention, like, everybody's not doing this just for the fun. If you're a content creator, you know, you you got bills to pay. With, even if you're not a content creator, you got some bills to pay. You know? Dude, and I, I, like I said, I thought about it mostly from the content perspective. Yeah, I was thinking about it. Where you got to crank out. YouTube videos, articles for whatever website. You're going to hit a point where this is not optional if you want to keep people watching your YouTube. You're going to hit. I think for a lot of people, they have hit that point. Yeah, for some We just talked about last week. Hey, you know, where's the coverage on, I think it was a Star City and Channel Fireball. If people are asking those questions, somebody's got to go out and get that coverage. It doesn't just magically spring forth from the ground. You're right. You're absolutely right. Because I was already thinking about how many different things could I do if I took a couple of cameras, you know, got some still video, maybe did some one-on-one interviews with people, reaching out to Ultra Pro and saying like, hey, can I do some fun giveaways while I'm there? You know, there's a lot of opportunity there that if I don't go, I'm not taking, you know, which has impact for the next year and the following year and whatever. So it's it's tough, man. It's tough. So I get it. I'm I'm doing my best to just not judge people one way or the other. Cause like I said, I might still end up there. Truthfully, I don't even know yet. But I just felt from like the more I thought about it, just the emotional part. Like I said, I think it is a two-part, both mental and just emotional, physical, whatever, that are almost two different hurdles to get over uh, as we kind of try to integrate back into society a little bit. But yeah, some fun things to think about there. Remember last week how we talked about <laughs> Blizzard Activision having some problems and backing stuff up? And yeah. 
Well, they actually posted up today that they have a position available as an associate game designer in their final design department. The interesting thing about it is this is one of the rare times where they actually posted that no experience was needed. And I'm kind of putting this out there because, you know, if we have any listeners that want to get into gaming, get into game design, get into programming, whatever, here's an opportunity to get in with a big name company that you may not be able to other, because a lot of times they want you to have those credentials. You know, maybe you work with a small startup, maybe you put out an app or two or whatever to just show you've got the chops to do the thing they want you to do. But this is one they're kind of doing an open book and saying like, hey, open call. Whoever they get, at least giving you a shot to get your resume in and get looked at. So, yeah, not a lot to say on it other than cool. It's not often you get these types of positions in any type of game design. They get open with the big dogs. So, yeah, if you're interested, I'd hop by their website and take a look. I don't know what the full details are, what they pay or anything like that. I didn't get into details. I just thought it was cool that it was available and people should know about it. The worst they can say is no. Yep. One of the conventions that we've seen before that neither of us has been to yet is BlurredCon. And we talked about it before, which is actually what it sounds like. It is a black nerd convention. And Blurred, while sounding weirdly derogatory, is actually <laughs> not. It's it's a normal term. I, I Honestly, the first time I heard it, I thought people were just messing with me. Like they were just making up a thing to be funny. <laughs> but apparently that's like an accepted term that people use. Yeah. I discovered this like two years ago. So, yeah, so BlurredCon is a thing. Uh, I believe it happens in around the Atlanta area or something, if I'm not mistaken. I have to look up that the details on that. But they do have their date scheduled for next year, uh, July 8th to the 10th, 2022. But the interesting thing that people are kind of in a holding pattern on right now is that they don't have their COVID policy announced. And the only reason I bring, not to dog the convention, the only reason I bring it up is because we're talking about something that's literally next year, next summer, you know, so you're talking basically nine months away, you know, from now, 10 months or eight months. But I don't know what they're supposed to do with something like that. You know what I mean? Because things could be significantly worse or significantly better. And Whatever you put out there, people are going to make plans and get hotel rooms or share rooms or not with people or whatever, schedule vacation time, whatever it is they got to do, you know, based on what you post. And then if you change that, say, in like February, because that's what, four months from now. It would be a perfectly reasonable thing to do. Yeah. Like you might have a bunch of upset people. Like, I, I don't know how you deal with this from a promoter standpoint trying to plan that far out. Because uh, I guess you, you pretty much got to explain it like you just did. Like, hey, this is, July is a long way off. We don't know what it's going to be like. Say, so, okay, maybe we'll announce something. more, And you, you probably even know when you'd be able to announce something more definite. I guess you just got to say, hey, well, look at this website, you know, and as, as we find out more information, we will continue to update. Yeah, because think about this, like back in, what was it, like uh, May, we were like, oh, hey, things are trending the right way. We're going to open stuff up, whatever. And then by like July, we were like, shut her down. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, so 
even in that small of a window, we had what we thought was going to be a positive change. And it was like, oh, nope, that was we weren't ready for that decision. Right. So everything changed on a dime. So between now and July, something could happen. Maybe something, you know, along the evolutionary track happens and we just have a thing where nobody dies from it for four or five months. At that point, that changes, you know, the way you would run things. Yeah, I mean, really, it may be a case like we're saying. We get to February and we see that, like, you know, the the percentage of contraction, death, whatever, is down to single-digit percentages across the board or whatever, right? You know, then, okay, cool. It's not a big problem anymore, right? We, we figured it out. We're past the tough part. But it could also be the other way. Yeah, and it's tough because, you know, I've run events before. And the best thing to do is when you can schedule further out. You get better rates on things. You can secure the space you want. You know, you can get guests before other people do because they haven't been booked yet or whatever. There's so many good things there to be that far out, but it's it's tough right now. I I don't know what I would do in their shoes, honestly, or for any event for that matter, being that far out. But I'm wondering if our views as attendees also has to change like do we need to get into a world where we're just not going to have details on some things until let's say six months out at least before we can start considering anything to be concrete for a while because i don't know i mean like, like i'm sort of thinking like it's not unreal to be like okay well i'm going to sign up for this but just know that some things could change in three four months and you know i either have to cancel or whatever right because, hell, I had things planned just to go down to California, and that's an hour and a half or yeah. two-hour plane trip or whatever to where I need to go, and I've still put some of that off. <laughs> so I don't I don't really know. It's tough. But I think it's something worth thinking about, that it's going to be really hard, I think, to force the hand of some promoters when their event is that far away. Like it's anything beyond six months, I think it's just so hard to plan for right now. And it's tough. I get I give credit to the promoters that are having to handle it, but man, it is not an easy time. And then earlier today, we had some very interesting news from the folks over at YouTube. They announced that starting today, and I guess over the next couple of weeks, they're going to be rolling it across the platform that they are going to be removing the dislike statistics from being front-facing on YouTube content. So the full details are they will still have the upvote, downvote buttons, right? You can like and dislike stuff. But only the content creator will be able to see the percentages and statistics in their YouTube studio part of the uh, platform. I've already encountered some people that hate this for some unknown reason, and I don't know why, but it's only been one or two people. Everybody else is like, yeah, this makes sense, whatever. But my thing is like, well, Brian, like, do you, does this matter to you? Does this affect anything for you? I mean, they're, they're going to still let the creator see it, so I'm fine with that. Yeah, like, I, was, I, don't, I don't necessarily need to see, like, as a viewer, I don't necessarily need to see how many people. Does, it's interesting in terms of, you know, okay, did you, you know, did, did you maybe t take a little political stance in this video when you haven't done that before? And did that affect the numbers or just are, are, are people disliking it for who knows? <laughs> well, you know, the, 
funny thing for me is I was thinking about it. I tried to step away from the creator side of it because I have a lot of reasons I like it as a creator. But as a viewer, I kind of thought, like, how often do I even look at the likes, dislikes before I decide to watch a video? And I realized most of the time I only see the number of dislikes when I've already made the mental decision to hit the like button on the video. Yeah. And then I just happen to see how many, you know, disliked it next to it or whatever. But even then, a lot of times I try to leave a comment with my like. So I'm at least giving context to why I upvote or downvoted something. Because coming back to the creator side, my argument was, you know, let's say, because if you, like, let's take my gameplay videos, right? Because I kind of follow a plan with those each video, right? I have the opener, intro, talk about the deck, we play some games, we review decks, changes, blah, blah, whatever, what did we learn kind of a thing, and then we have a card spotlight uh, pretty much every time. Which, by the way, if you don't know about the card spotlights, you check them out. It's fun story time and sometimes can make you some money in Magic. But the thing is, if I have a video that does 2,000 views and it's got 100% upvotes, great. The next video could have 2,000 views and have 97% upvotes. But if that 3%, which honestly, that might just be three votes <laughs> and only have 97 upvotes. But like if those three votes don't make a comment, what am I supposed to change? Right. Because even just sitting here now, somebody may not I may be speaking too loud or too fast. My shirt color may not appear right in HD or something like they may not like the way my headphones sit, the lighting color they might not enjoy. They may not like the way I frame the picture, like anything. Right. You could downvote for anything. There could literally be a 100 things in the video you could like or dislike. But if you don't give me context, then a downvote is meaningless. And the person I was discussing this with earlier, I tried to explain to him that I still talk to retailers all the time. I talk with other content creators. When you go to a place and you leave a one-star review and you don't say anything, they're a little down because somebody left them a one-star review, but they don't spend time worrying about it because they don't know what to change. Exactly. I mean, you literally know as well as I do. If you walked into my store, it could be Maybe it's too hot or too cold. Maybe the shelves are too close to the front door. You didn't like the color of wood yeah. I used for my shelves. It could be the banners made too much noise when they flapped with the AC air or who knows what, right? Any random thing could have bothered you. Matter of fact, here's an interesting thing to think about. When I did some study, I think I told you about this. I did, some, I did the one of the uh, Walt Disney Management Academy things. And one of the interesting things they talked about is from the time you get out of your car, to the time you get to the front gate with your ticket, they have identified 1,600 points of possible interaction. Good God. Right, and that's literally everything from like a street light to the reflection off something to the echo in the parking garage to like literally every single little thing, right? Imagine somebody doesn't even get into the park yet and you're at the gate and they they ask you for a rating or a review and you hit the one and you don't put anything. What the hell are they supposed to look at to be like you liked or didn't like because you didn't say anything? Mm -hmm. Like there's literally 1600 things they have identified. They're not gonna go change 1600 things and I like hope we get it on that next one. Like they just don't care. Now, if you say like, you specifically leave a one star review and say like, oh, it was so hard when my kids were talking, we couldn't hear because the echo was too loud in the parking garage, blah, blah, whatever. Okay, cool. They can start 
saying, okay, if we see this two or three times, we got to start talking about how we can deaden some of the sound in the parking garage or whatever, right? But if you don't say anything, they don't know. And I feel the same thing as a creator, right? The downvotes are largely pointless. Now, in their announcements, one of the reasons they want to do it is they want to try to turn off people going and sending their dislike mobs at other people or when you don't like somebody posting something you're like, oh, everybody should just go wreck this video and send down their stats or whatever. And, you know, then you get 200 people that go download a video who didn't even stay on it long enough to give the person credit for a view. They just clicked on it, downvoted and closed their tab or whatever. Right. So they want to stop that. And, and honestly, let's say across as well. Let's be honest. They see all the statistics. Their AI sees the behaviors of people. So they know how things react or don't whenever people see more downvotes or not or whatever. So they're doing this because they believe it's probably going to make life better for the creators. It's probably going to make more con better content. And it probably leads to more positivity and more positive content on their channel, which has got to be the best thing for them because that generates longer view time, people staying on the platform longer. They're going to make more money from ads. The creators are going to make more money. Because in the in the only realistic argument I've seen is people saying, well, as a viewer, I should be able to see that other people didn't like this video too. And my my pushback has been, okay, but what does that do? Right? If if you do a video tomorrow, and I see, I'm like, man, five people downvoted Brian's video. Do I just magically not watch it because five other people downvoted it? Like, I'm because if nothing else, I might still be like, well, shit, let me watch it and see why everybody was hating on Brian today. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't know. <laughs> right. But it likely can lead to more people just piling on or whatever. But my thing is. And, and they also said, like, well, I should be able to downvote it to, like, the effectively teach them a lesson. Right. They should know people are mad or whatever. And I'm like, okay, cool. They'll still see it. But why does everybody else need to see it? Like, it's not achieving anything. And the reality is, if you are concerned about another viewer knowing that, I don't know, some number of people were mad at this video or disliked it for some reason, leave a comment, <laughs> right? Because that's going to have more weight, more context in it. Because honestly, if I see somebody, especially when I see these videos that have like 3.5 likes, 3.5 million or 1,000 likes, and you've got... 50 dislikes well like that's such a small percentage like i don't i don't really care right that's not changing anything but if i see the thing people commented on then i can kind of go like mm, yeah you're right that was a little messed up you probably shouldn't put that in the video or whatever right like but if it's just non-context downvote who cares so like i think this is a good move i don't like i said i don't know how you feel about it but i i think it's I mean, I, I understand the rationale for the move, but I mean, I, I also understand why people, you know, why viewers might want to see the downvotes. So I, I, I get, I get both sides of it. For for me, I think it's like a lot of decisions, or I come to in life, especially when you know we're talking business related stuff. Is does the upside of it existing, the statistic, because you can still downvote, but just the visual statistic. Does the upside of that outweigh the downsides of that? And I think the answer is no. But if you take it away, I think there's more positives than negatives by taking it away. And that's what I think makes it okay for me. 
Because like I get the want from some percentage of the crowd to want to see it. But I don't think that's going to stop them from watching videos. It's not going to stop them from using YouTube. Like, the they're, they're going to be like, ah, I wish I could know how many people hated this video. You know what I mean? But, like, that's not going to change any of their behaviors. Whereas I think there's a lot of positives. Everything from just the, the, the mental pressure or stress or whatever on some of the creators, possibly. But also, like we talked about, like the downboat mobs and all this other stuff, like I think you discourage a lot of that behavior by doing it. And I'm kind of in favor of it because of that. But it's interesting. Uh, it'd be cool. I'm, it's one of those things. And I may even do an update in a few months just to kind of say, like, OK, since this has happened, have I seen more or less downvotes or whatever? You know, what I'm hoping, what I'm really hoping for me personally, is that some percentage of these people that feel the need to like... I got to downvote this and let him know how I feel and then just not even leave a comment. Now actually may leave a comment, right? Because yeah, now they may Cuz now they may feel that well, if I leave this downvote, nobody's going to see it but him anyway. Well, I'm going to at least let people know what I didn't like here. And then it's like, okay, cool. Now if I see some recurring comments, I can be like, okay, well that's a thing I can fix. So, let me go ahead and on the next couple of videos fix it and see if it changes people's opinion or whatever, right? That, to me, is the biggest potential outcome from it. Because I don't think, obviously, there's still going to be a lot of people who are still just going to downvote and move on, and they're not yeah. going to leave a comment, right? But if even, I don't know, some small percentage, let's say even 10% of those people decide they're going to leave a comment, it's way more comments than you were getting before that could help your content be better. But that brings us to the dinner table. And this is kind of us getting to book in the show, talking about creators, how to interact with them, how to treat them, you know. And in this case, one of the things that comes up a lot is I see people kind of asking creators or recommending creators, actually either asking them to produce or asking why they don't produce more of some very niche content within you know, their scope of what they do. And I don't think people like hearing the answer that it's often financially motivated. I mean, at the end of the day, right? Like I, I've told people, like I actually, I have a real life case right now I can talk about. Since we're kind of between sets, we've had the full set list come out, set goes live. Actually, by the time somebody's probably listening to the show. I'm producing two to three deck tech videos a day of putting them out there saying, Hey, here's this new deck using new cards, whatever. And my goal is for people to be able to have something they can build right when they open up their first batch of crimson Val cards, right? You can go right in and have some deck list, know kind of what cards you're targeting, know what things are working or not working for different people, what ideas people have. Right. But even when doing that and putting out a ton of content, I'm going to make less during this week than I would make during my normal content, right? And I'm doing something that's, I will say, mostly altruistic to help the community. I mean, it does also mean I'll have decks as well that I can just load up into Arena on like day one, right? So there is some personal benefit. But I'm going to make probably as much as 25 to 30% less for this week than I would make during a normal week. And it's strictly because... Fewer people will watch these. Like, even though I have people commenting, saying, man, I love you're doing these. It's helped me out. 
you know, I was thinking about building this type of deck, but I didn't know what cards I should be targeting, you know. But there's a lot of people that won't watch those. And there's a lot of people that won't, that do watch them, that aren't going to share them. They're not going to talk about them or whatever, like they would some of those other videos. So I get why creators don't spend time doing that type of content. Or at best, they'll jam it all into just one video and just be like, here's 20 deck lists, go have fun, you know, whatever. And hopefully you find it because you can't necessarily search terms for all the different decks that are in there. But, you know, I get why people aren't doing deep dives on things. Yeah. Because I told you off air, right? I've been playing Team Fight Tactics because a new set, set six, came out a week ago. And yesterday, even, I encountered a champion in the game that I just couldn't make work properly. And I'm just like, am I misinterpreting something on how this works or whatever? And I looked, I was looking for, like, I was hoping there was somebody Hmm. on YouTube that just did, like, here's the whatever, the the 30 champions or whatever that are available in this season and just do five to 10 minute breakdowns of all the champions, right? This is what they do. Here's ways you could use them, whatever. But I couldn't find one. I literally had to just go to Twitter and just be like, hey guys, like I'm having this trouble with this thing. It doesn't make sense. Can somebody explain it to me like I'm five or whatever, right? But I also know that the reason they don't do that is because that's not what people are watching, like, Especially if it's a champion that maybe only a handful of people plan to play anyway, there, there's not going to be the demand for it. Yeah, and there's their equivalent gameplay videos, tens of thousands of views, right? I, I found so many of those, and there's probably a hundred different creators I saw that are doing gameplay videos or whatever. But I get it, because those are what are drawing views. People are like, I want to see a comp using these different groups and these different champions, and then I'm going to play that and I'm going to go win. Even though most of the time they won't play that and they won't win. But the idea that they could, that's what they want to watch. And it's the same thing. When we're talking about magic and other stuff. Like, it sucks because you want to see more of that other stuff. But we as viewers have to do what we can to help raise the status of those so more people want them. And normalize, or even help people find it to even know it exists. Because that's the other thing. People don't even know people are doing video. Like, if somebody could show me right now, like, seriously, if you know of someone... Find me on Twitter, (laughs) send me a link to their YouTube channel, and I will go watch and thumbs up every one of those videos talking about every champion. I will literally sit, I will even, hell, I'll just let it play in the background if I have to, to give them credit for every video talking about one of the new champions, because that would be beneficial. But I know that those are going to draw 10% as many views probably as their gameplay stuff does. And that's such a tough spot, right? Because as a creator, you want to try to do more of what your dedicated fans want, but you also know you have to take care of all these passerbys that may or may not see your content. I'm sure you deal with that because you play a variety of games. Yeah. There are definitely so many videos I would love to do. And sometimes it's a financial thing too. Like if you're playing a game like Madden or NBA 2K, like my theme team videos for Kansas City do very well. I'd love to do that for, you know, 15 or 20 different teams. I don't have the money to put together 32 different NFL themed teams or the time. It'd take a combination of probably easily a thousand bucks and a couple of thousand hours to put those together. They would get views, but it's just, I have neither the time nor the money. Yeah, but, but, you know, you bring up a good point, right? Because you kind of, in the beginning, coincidentally built a Kansas City team right? And Madden Ultimate Team. But then you get some views and gain some traction. And now people are expecting you to have all the updates anytime there's a new Kansas City player. 
right? So you almost now can't not do <laughs> you know, yeah. Kansas City theme team, you know, content because that becomes the expectation. Exactly. Like, hey, Andre Rises out. Where's the video, man? Yeah, it's such a it's such a weird thing, right? And and it, and it's tough because as a viewer, you only interact with somebody's content from that one perspective, right? So you don't see everything else. But when you take a step back and widen that lens a little bit, you kind of start going, ah, oh, I see what somebody's commenting over here. I see this video they did over here got way more views. Yeah, I kind of get why they do what they do. You know, because I would love to, because I buy collections and stuff. I would love to do more of those and be like, hey, here's the collection I got and tell the stories of the cards and everything else. But those just don't draw the views. Like, I think it's fun to do. I got to go through the collection anyway. It's fun to talk about stuff or whatever. But I also know that if that starts to clog up my content, my other stuff that does draw the dollars starts to get fewer views because people are like, nah, I'm going to unsub. I don't want to follow. Like, I don't want all this other trash, you know, whatever. Even though I don't think it's trash. I have some number of viewers who don't think it's trash, but enough of them do that they don't want to come back by the channel anymore. So it's a, it's a tough thing. You know, all I can say really is just be patient with your creators. You know, feel free to ask them for what you want, but don't be demanding. Understand that they're, they're, they're being pulled in a lot of different directions to make sure they can maximize their potential, their exposure, their, their financial status. You know, like it, it's, it's a tough game. It's a tough game. There's a lot of, a lot of things you're trying to balance while not damaging your popularity. Yeah. It's, it's a fine line and it's different for all the different games you play the communities, the different platforms, they all want something different, you know, and they have to feed that machine from all angles. <laughs> it's it's not easy. It's not easy. Well, all right, Brian, why don't you everybody they can find you on social media until next week. All right. I am DL Caesar on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and our family channel on YouTube is Alan's Ever After. And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. And should have a bunch of Crimson Vow content coming out over the next few days. However, if you want to get caught up, like I was saying, check out my stuff that's been out for this past week. Otherwise, as always, wherever you are watching or listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please remember to take care of yourself with all the COVID still lingering out there. And be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate under patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. 